God's people have for generations found moments to sit in time. Moments to reflect, to think, to, to, to look back and say, we've come this far and so far so good. Then to sit in that moment and to say, here we are. Here is, here is what I'm thinking. Here is who I am. Here is in the moment. The beauty of the music we just heard is in the beauty of this moment for us now. To touch our hearts and stir our brains and draw us deeper into community with God and one another, the past, the present. And, and it's that moment in the present that we get to breathe in a deep breath of God's Spirit and breathe out the anxiety and stress of the world. It's also a moment where we get to pause before we press on because we're called as God's people to press on. One of those moments was in Joshua. Moses had led the people and gave it over to Joshua. Joshua led the people and now Joshua in his farewell peace to the Israelites says, here's the deal. From Joshua 24, the last verse you're going to know by heart. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. The people of God had been through a lot. It wasn't a small trek to, to get them. They'd been through a lot on their way out of Egypt into the promised land. And now they look around and their leader says, remember where you were? Remember Egypt and the gods there and how we defeated them? Look here now, you're in the Amorites' land and their gods failed them. And going forward, you can do whatever you want to do. That's fine with me. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Which is a marvelous way of Joshua saying, this is the hand of God that you are here now. And everything that you've gone through leads you to see the faithfulness and the power of God for you. All of those pieces of Israel's history, the rescue at the Red Sea, God's provisions of food and water, manna and quail, the ongoing opportunities to worship, the Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai, all of things, things built into the history of God's people. And as soon as Joshua or the fathers in the homes began to say, do you remember, can you tell the story God blessing, God walking, here we go. Do you remember? And they would nod their heads and say, you're right. We are the people of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the Lord is our God and we are his people. And as for us, we will serve the Lord. They had a long history. And that history was one of God's faithfulness. May is a tough month. I think May is a tough month. And this year, it seems that all the anxiety and all the kind of pent-up frustration that's gone along with May is kind of residing in the hearts of people. Walking with my wife and with our son's dog across the street, 
and a person whips around the corner and, and, and no thing for anything. And I kind of looked at the person like, what are you doing? And she looked at me and like I was insane and sped off down the hill. And I'm like, seriously, a little bit of road rage up here in Orange. People at the checkout counters, kind of hardcore. Parents in the school, kids in the school, teachers in the school, pastors in the church. Everybody kind of... Because we have been through a lot. It's been a great time with some great wins. And today we get an opportunity to think about some of those. Last Sunday, the front six pews in the church were full of eighth graders who came up, knelt, received a blessing, and went through the rite of confirmation after 10 months of instruction. 53 students were confirmed. We're in the process of finishing a school year, a relatively normal school year. I'm not sure if Dr. Hollitz would agree that it's relatively normal, but it was sure better than the previous two. And graduation comes Friday night for our eighth graders, and there'll be a raft of them here. And they'll look back to when they were kindergartners. And by the way, the kindergartners are graduating as well, and it's the cutest thing you've ever seen. We've welcomed new members. We've said farewell to those who went to be with the Lord this year. And it's been a relatively normal year. But I think in the back of my mind, and perhaps in the back of yours, you're thinking, what if we have to go back and do that stuff again? Thinking about the tenuous nature of the rhythms of our life. Some of those that we gave up two years ago, and for many of us have no intention of going back to I can't speak for everybody but I can speak for myself and the people I know everybody's kind of tired people's margins are kind of thin so as a congregation we get a couple weeks to pause for a moment before we hit it again and I think what restores a tired spirit is the opportunity to reflect and look back at the goodness and the faithfulness of God, the people he's chosen. It seems our country has a need to pause and reflect. A shooting in Buffalo, one this week in Texas, and we're left to wonder about the hows and whys of who's responsible. So much blaming, so much conversation about what went right and what went wrong, and with so much video and all the talking heads, everybody's got their opinion, and we all get to see their opinions all the time. Meanwhile, families are crushed and devastated at their loss. But we have an opportunity to reflect on humanity's brokenness and the reality that according to God's word, mankind in the world is not evolving into something better. It's devolving to the point where God says, I've had enough, I'm coming home, I'm done. And those whom I have called and redeemed, you are coming with me forever. We seem also in this moment to be thinking and reflecting about our shared values as a society. And what's firmly entrenched in our hearts and lives and our values of a nation. Some of that seems to be up for grabs. The ongoing argument about abortion has taken on a new shape and intensity. A trajectory for good for those of us who are pro-life. Many of us who thought that conversation would never go into the direction it's headed. Perhaps we pause and reflect on Memorial Day about where we've been. Where we're at and where we're going. 
And I drove in this morning and washed a little bit yesterday as the flags went up and it always puts a dryness to my throat. Memorial Day is that little moment to reflect and think about life and its purpose nationally. We get to think about the life of a nation and us as citizens, our role in that life as a nation. Many of us will gather together to do our thing as family and friends and loved ones. The airplanes from the Chino Hills Air Museum fly right over my backyard about 9.15 tomorrow and I will be out there jumping up and down in my shorts and tank top like you can't believe. We're going out to the butcher shop this afternoon to get an absolutely enormous piece of beef to throw on the smoker. And then with our family, we'll sit and tell stories and reflect on the goodness of God, the goodness and the sacrifice of those who gave so much that we could be the United States of America. We eat, laugh, and remember. Each one of your families does something. Even if you just chill in your easy chair and think about it or jump in your pool or offer a quiet moment to the Lord in gratitude for those who have done so much. Each of you, each of your families has a unique story. And that story adds tremendous value to your heart. So you know from whence you've come. You know where you're at. And by faith in Jesus Christ, you take a, a leap into the future figuring out by faith where you're going. Tomorrow and maybe this afternoon, social media feeds will be full of, of people in uniform, men and women, some who died in battle for their country, and all who served making sacrifices and serving with great distinction. I would offer that our country needs those stories. We need to tell those stories and revel in those stories to remember those who have gone before us and in the moment to figure out where we are going and what life is all about. Last summer, we lost the last sibling on my father's side of the family, the last Klinkenberg, Edith Grote, my aunt, my brother's godmother, went to be with Jesus at 93 years old. If the Klinkenbergs can make it through about 55, 56, you live to be 100. It works out pretty good, really. And at 58, I feel relatively confident that I got some more tread on my tire, but God only knows. It was the last real gathering of the cousins on that side. And my grandfather, Klinkenberg, was a pastor in a little Wisconsin town called Almina. And if you Google that, Almina's a speck on the map. Almina's about 400 people. But that church was about 350 of them that gathered from about 1930 to about 1955 with Hubert Emil Klinkenberg as their pastor. And all of my father and his siblings all went through Barron High School and it was kind of a thing. Everybody had 25 kids and they lived on farms and milk cows and all of that stuff in northern Wisconsin. And Edith was the last of that crew. Of those six children, my father was the youngest, so all of my cousins were about my dad's age. Many of them, as we gathered this last summer, were retired. A couple had passed away. But my one cousin, Jerry Grote, and Edith's youngest son, was always kind of a kindred spirit. He was the archivist for the family as well, and he opened his trunk of his SUV in Spooner, Wisconsin, and he said, look at this. 
And he had piled through all of Aunt Edith's stuff, and he pulled out a handwritten letter from my cousin Richard from when Richard was in Vietnam. And Jerry smiled and with his curly hair said, you're going to want to see this. This is the coolest thing that my mom never threw away. The envelope was a handwritten letter from Richard Klinkenberg, Uncle Carl's oldest son. Richard had been in an air cavalry unit in Vietnam and had sent the letter to Auntie Edith just to fill her in. I believe she was his godmother. The letter was handwritten and very short. He asked for a few things to be sent for him, including little Kool-Aid packets and some extra socks. He wished everybody well in the Grote household, expressed the protective hand of God and the role that faith had played in the life of a soldier. But before Aunt Edith had received that letter, my cousin was shot and killed during the Tet Offensive in 1960. It was fascinating to see that document written by a soldier who had given everything. And to know that the story of the family was one of courage and sacrifice and dedication. And it was in the telling of that story and the reading of that letter that our family looked and said, this is where we've been, each cousin remembering that funeral and able to punch a stake in the ground and say, this is where we're going. It was a very, very unifying moment for cousins who hadn't seen one another in some cases for over 30 years. It was a moment to reflect, to give thanks, and in that somber place and in that short time to be connected in a new way around the sacrifice of one that was dearly loved. The past, the present, and the future in that moment. So where are you at? Where are you at? And I don't mean 154 South Shaper Sheep. I mean, where are you where are you at? And where have you been? What's your story? What's the story behind your eyes? And maybe the hardest question is, where are you going and where do you want to go? Joshua says those marvelous words at the end of this. I know where I've been. I know where I'm at. And I know where I'm going. And he says, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Joshua reminds us and the people that moment of three powerful pieces of faith in life that led God's people forth in that moment in Joshua 24 and that lead us forth today and give us pause to reflect and energy for the future. First and foremost, Joshua reminds us today that God has always been with us. There has never been a moment that God has forgotten us. Sometimes it feels like it. You're saying, well, where's the Lord? What he's doing? And then you look back and you say, there he was. Here's what he's doing. He's loving, he's caring, he's guiding. He's driving history. In the people of Israel, he was driving history to the moment. To the moment for which he never stopped working and never quit. The moment when a virgin would conceive and bear a child. A moment where the Messiah would be on the cross. That he would rise from the dead and bring life and salvation to all the people 
of the Lord. God is faithful. There's never been a moment that God has forgotten you. It is in, God is incapable of forgiving you, of forgetting you, because he loves you so deeply. He is with you when you look back at your life and see his hand guiding and leading you moment by moment. He takes the moments of perceived failure and molds them and shapes them into character moments. He brings blessings. God is with you. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And God redeems, secondly, God redeems the past and the present. And he allows us to look at ourselves and other people through the lens of, of grace. God's plan to redeem the world started with a promise, worked its way to a baby. The promise sealed on the cross with the blood of Jesus. Forgiveness and mercy from God mean that no matter where we are and no matter where we find ourselves at this moment, there is a purpose being worked out in our lives, in our relationships, in our events, in our work, in our family, in our recreation, in our education. All of these are gifts of God for the moment that lead us to be grateful and to confidently possess faith that reminds us over and over again that God beholds us in grace and steals us for the difficult moments in our life. It's the peace of faith in Jesus Christ that allows us to hold the promises that are bigger and grander than just the here and now. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And thirdly and finally, and I've alluded to it all throughout this message, God is faithful. Paul writes in Romans 8, chapter 31, if God is for us, then who can be against us? And the assumed answer in the language of the text is, if God is for you, then no one can be against you. And then Paul articulates all the things that could be against you and how we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. If God is for us, then who can be against us? Nothing, no one, no circumstances, no issues, no philosophy, no politics, no economics, nothing. Nothing can defeat us. Nothing can defeat our Savior. Nothing can defeat the faith we hold in Jesus Christ. And as we remember and as we think, then we push on in hope. If God is for us, then anything coming down the road is not going to defeat us. His promises are rich. His promises are good. His promises in the past and the present have and are being fulfilled. And His peace is with us, giving us grace in the moments we have. And the future. That's His. In His heart, a person chooses His course and the Lord guides the steps. God is the author of the future and of our future. He's the one who writes the continuing story of our lives. And we are reminded that though painful pieces exist in our culture and life, God guides our lives with great love and great care. I hope you have a rich Memorial Day. I hope you have an opportunity to remember and give thanks. 
to sit in the moment and then to press on and look forward in hope. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.